Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to sit down and come sit at your feet and to learn more about the things that you have asked us to grow deeper in, to learn more about prayer and shepherding the children you've entrusted us with. I thank you for uh, every person that's in this room tonight who is committed to being here on a Tuesday night when it's cold and they'd probably have a million other things to be doing, but they are making an investment that matters. I pray that you would bless them back more than they could measure that they would, they would walk away from this caught on fire for prayer, that their heartbeat uh, in their life would be prayer. Uh, like we're going to read about in a second, their inhale and their exhale would be prayer, that they would pray first, that they would, that they would walk away not only equipped but excited, yeah. excited for prayer. Uh, we've been praying this. Uh, one of the prayer points that we have for tonight was that there would be a molting, uh, a shedding of the old, if there is any fear or apathy towards prayer, that that would be shed, that that would be gone, that they would be stepping into, like it's so fitting that we're in the threshold room, that they would be stepping into a new threshold for prayer, that homes would be altars, that hearts would be altars, that uh, they would be ignited to lead the children that they shepherd in prayer. It is in your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. Okay. Uh, so for those, we're going to do introductions really quick, and then we'll jump into the content. Yep, grab a seat, grab your handout. Um, there should be pins and all the things for you. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Courtney. I am one of the pastors on staff here. And sort of my uh, parenting uh, resume is I have two kids of my own, and we're fostering my niece right now. So I have an eight-year-old, a five-year-old and a four-year-old in my home right now, and they are my students to teach in prayer. And this isn't something that I have, uh, I feel like the Lord really gave me a passion for in the last uh, two years, to really pursue prayer and teaching my kids prayer. This is my first and my last year in Car Rider Line, where I have both kids with me in the morning. And so he really, um, uh, like encouraged me to have a year of intentionality where the car rider line is not something that I have to do. It's something I get to do and I get to use that time uh, to sanctify it. I get to, I get to uh, invest in my kids during that time when I, when I probably don't really feel like it. It's, it's hectic getting all those kids out and in the car and to the, to the school. But uh, he's really called me to have an intentionality for this year. And I feel like he's been preparing me since before we even knew this class was happening for uh, topics like this tonight. So uh, you'll hear a lot of stories tonight about our kids because that's our learning ground. Was Our training ground is parenting our kids. So by the end of the night, you should pretty much well know them. And I, uh, I hope that you know that uh, don't judge them for anything that we <laughs> that we say here tonight. Yeah, you can judge us, but don't judge our kids. They are, uh, they are a blessing. So uh, I'll hand it over to Katie. Okay. Um, I'm Katie Quinn, and I have two little boys. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old, Lincoln and Hudson. And um, they are wittier than I. They are quippier than I, and they challenge me in my own prayer life. Um, I grew up with a praying mom, and now I understand. Um, I understand. So... They stir your faith. They make you question your faith. Um, but they spur you on and they make you pray for things and learn things about God that you, you never would have unfolded otherwise. Like, I think they just invite you into places of the Father. So, um, yeah, you'll know, you'll know a lot of things, some intimate things about our family tonight. But I'm, I'm an open book. So it's, I'm, I'm here for it if you're here for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm going to... Um, 
launch this class by reading a chapter from this book called Teach Us How to Pray. This is one of the books that uh, led us into making the decision to invest in prayer during an equip night, and it is by Corey Russell. He is a pastor, and he's actually going to be at our church for Landmark Assembly. So uh, if you guys leave this class and read this book, you will know going into Landmark Assembly that it is a do not miss kind of event. Registration fills up quick, so mark it in your calendars. It's in September, I think. But Oh, Blocks. Sorry, he's coming to Blocks. So next year, uh, first of the year, we're going to kick off our year with him. Um, but I'm going to read you the first page and a half of this book, and it's sort of the precipice for which we decided to base all of these classes on. And so the first chapter, and bear with me reading out loud, you know, um, th this is called The School of Prayer. The disciples saw it all. They witnessed every miracle. They heard every message, and they beheld every deliverance. They observed every prayer. For three and a half years, the disciples got a front row seat to Jesus's life. They walked, or they watched God the Son talk to God the Father through God the Spirit, the one through whom everything is made, the one who through, through whom all worlds were formed, communed with the Father in the very presence of the disciples. And they, were, they weren't witnessing some religious activity performed by Jesus. No, his prayer was his life. It was his inhale and his exhale, which by the way, when we prayed over you guys tonight, we prayed that this would be your inhale and your exhale. Jesus didn't have to stir himself in any way to start a conversation with the Father. He simply moved from speaking, to the words, or speaking words to those around him to lifting his eyes to heaven and talking with the Father. Not only did the disciples see Jesus pray, they watched in awe as Jesus cast out demons with a word. They stared in disbelief as Jesus healed the lepers, made the lame to walk, and caused the blind to see. They heard his masterful sermon on the mount, and they were often perplexed by his metaphors on the kingdom of heaven. They observed his effortless evangelism with the woman at the well, and they looked on with great amazement as he brought the dead back to life. They even saw Lazarus coming out of the tomb after having been dead for four days. Yes, the disciples were eyewitnesses to Jesus' life and ministry, and yet we don't see one recorded time in Scripture where they petitioned Jesus, teach us how to preach. We don't see one recorded time where they said, teach us how to heal, teach us how to prophesy, or teach us how to do miracles. After spending three and a half years with the Son of God, they requested one thing in Luke 11, 1. Lord, teach us how to pray. So uh, I'll give you guys a list of books that we've uh, that I highly recommend at the end of class, but that being one of them. <clears throat> and so this is this idea of, Lord, teach us how to pray. So how do we do that? Um, one of the things that Corey Russell talks about in this book is that there are uh, 175 accounts of Jesus teaching on, speaking about, and actually praying. To, to Jesus, prayer was not a side thing that he did uh, or, or that he would do as a last resort. It was his main thing. It was how he communicated to the Father, and it was with this reverence and prayer that we want to help raise you up to raise up the next generations of sons and daughters. Chris Hodges says in his book, Pray First, prayer is easier than you think and more important than you realize. It is the lifeblood of the Christian faith, and yet we have many believers who are walking around anemic. I believe it's I believe that at some level, we, we all understand that prayer is important, but somewhere between the lines of understanding and believing, we're missing it. We're not truly allowing that knowledge to change our lives. As Tyler Statton puts it, 
uh, in Pray Like Monks, we buy it at an intellectual level, but somewhere deeper in our emotions and in our bones, we don't trust it. So there is some page, there's a page on the back where you guys can take some notes or if you have your notebook or your Being Transformed journal, there's, there's pages in the back for that too. I want you guys to take a second. We're going to do an activation really quick because I think that um, making it personal helps you receive this personally. Uh, and I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. And I'm going to rephrase them a little bit differently because each of you might say, I don't struggle with that. But I'm going to go ahead and phrase some questions and just think about that and write the answers down for yourself. We're not sharing them. This is just for you. So one of the questions would be, um, even if we know in our heart the value and the purpose of prayer, what are some reasons that we struggle, that you struggle to make it a priority in your life? What are some reasons that you might make, uh, that prayer might be a struggle for making it a priority in your life, even if you know the value of prayer? Another question is, even if you don't struggle with that, what are some things that might be getting in the way of you having the prayer life that you desire? What are some things that are getting in the way in your day-to-day life, preventing you from having the prayer life that you desire? And then the last question is, if you genuinely believe prayer as as powerful as, it, as, you, as you may think or say it is, how differently might your day, week, or month look if you put into practice what you say you believe? I'll give you a second to write those down. All right, as you finish up those thoughts, I'm going to um, keep going here so we, we don't run out of time. But um, Okay, in Luke 19.46, Scripture says, My house shall be a house of prayer. Now, this is Jesus talking, saying, my house shall be a house of prayer. But he doesn't just mean his house as in, as in the, the big C church. What he's talking about is every house that calls him Lord and Savior. So if you're sitting in this room and you're a Christian, then guess what? Your house belongs to the Lord. Yeah. And he's called it to be a house of prayer. Now, you're probably sitting here thinking, that's great. How do I make a house of prayer? Well, you start by making your house a school of prayer. Because a house of prayer doesn't happen by accident, and it does not happen by happenstance. And as parents, you are the most important and most consistent teacher your kids will have while they live in your home. And you're probably the only one that's going to be able to teach them about prayer if your kids are in in the public school system. So if you're like me, like I was once upon a time in an equipped class just like this, thinking, that sounds great. I love that for you. But how do I do that? I want to tell you a little bit of a, a little story about what I felt like when I was in a class just like this. It was a class on parenting. It was amazing teaching. I loved it. I was ready to soak it all in. But about halfway through, I started thinking, how am I supposed to do all of this? This feels debilitatingly overwhelming. There's so many things that I need to get right. I need to teach my kids how to be good humans. I need to teach them how to potty train and, and be clean and, and, you know, know all the things that they're supposed to know. And I need to do it well. And I need to make sure that they're well-spoken and that they treat people equally. And, you know, that they're not little robots and that hopefully they don't need therapy because of me. There's just so many things that I need to do along with all the other responsibilities I have as an adult human being. And I remember thinking, 
I don't think I can do this. This just feels like so much. I, I, I really just felt like maybe I can just let it be and it all figure itself out. Um, and so after the class, I went and talked to the, the woman who was teaching the class, and I said, how do you do this? How, all the things you talk, that you talked about, feel they sound great, but how are you doing it? And she reassured me that it's not about doing it perfectly every time, that everything she taught on, she, she learned through trial and error, and that um, there's no way to do it all perfectly. But if we have the heart to shepherd our children that we're entrusted with, God will do the rest. So... I walked away from that class, and that night I started praying, Lord, what do you have for me to teach my kids to train them up? And he began to, began to reveal very specific things that I could do, um, like intentionally, that would equip them as they got older, but also create space for the spontaneous. Yeah. For example, I do want to raise humans that, that understand that God loves all people, and because of that, we should love all people, regardless of what they look like, where they grew up, what their financial situations look like. I, I want them to know all of those things, but uh, I, I may not be able to build that in. Like on Tuesday night, we, we teach about equity. And on Wednesday night, we teach about building others up in encouragement. On Thursday night, I, I, I'm not that organized. I can't do all of that. But what he showed me was that as I build a relationship with my child in the things that he has asked me to do, very specifically, he will create opportunity for the spontaneous. So for example, as I teach on the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, when I teach on the love of God, I can teach him how to love people well. I can teach them how to love people well. I don't have to make it a specific curriculum for equity. I can do that through the things he's asked me to do. Because when we enter a relationship with him, with our kids, it opens up vulnerability and opportunities to teach. So an example of something like this just happened in my family a couple of weeks ago. Like I said, we're fostering my niece. And it, at first, you know, I have young kids, and they're, they, they're doing really well, all things considered. Um, and the first couple of weeks, it was like, this is great. It's an endless sleepover. We're, we're excited. Cousins are here. They loved it. But all in one day, it all came crashing down in their tiny little world. On the way to school, my almost six-year-old niece memorized scripture faster than my almost nine-year-old, and he did not love that. And so he's on the verge of tears in car rider line crying. And I'm like, I can't drop you off crying. What are they going to think about me, you know? And so uh, I talked to him really quickly about that. And then he's off to school. By the time I get home, I've already got an email in my inbox telling me that my four-year-old was, and I quote, unusually defiant and disobedient at rest time. Um, and so I've got to talk to her about that. And then by the time I get everyone bathed, we're upstairs. And my son's crying about some small little thing. And I, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, like, you need to talk to him about, like, What's the issue beneath the issue? Which, by the way, that is a shameless plug for emotional health, emotionally healthy spirituality curriculum. Highly recommend. Um, so I'm sitting here asking him, like, what's the, what is the, yeah, it's just called emotionally healthy spirituality. It's like a curriculum. You can, I'll, I'll uh, send it out later. Um, but what's the issue beneath the issue here? And because we have developed a trusting relationship based in prayer, my son knew that he could bear everything to me because he knew his mom was going to go to the Lord with him in prayer. He didn't have to be fearful of anything that he needed to tell me. He could just 
tell me. And I mean, he broke down. All the things that he had been holding in for two weeks that he was trying so hard to be brave in. He was trying to, he told me that he felt like his little sister and his cousin didn't think he was cool anymore because they had each other. And that uh, he, he wanted to cry a lot of times the last two weeks, but he couldn't because he's the oldest and that's embarrassing and he has to be a leader. That uh, all of these things that just came crashing down that I didn't know he was struggling with because he was doing such a good job in his own little world of keeping up those little walls. Um, but really the common theme was all about his insecurity and his identity and who he is in Christ. He believed that he couldn't demonstrate those things because it wouldn't be a good example. Now, it was not on my schedule that night to teach him about his identity. It was not on my schedule to teach him about who he is in Christ. It was not on my mind to be teaching him about who he was created to be, that he has a purpose, and that these are lies from the enemy, and that he is equipped with the knowledge of the word that he has in him to combat this. None of that was on my agenda or radar that night. But because I had been faithful in investing in him in prayer and relationship, God blessed me with a spontaneous opportunity to pour into him in the way that he needed it in that moment. I was sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit to dig deeper, and I was already being shown ways that he was struggling that he himself may not have been able to vocalize. But my son was aware that it was safe to come to me in pain because he knew we'd go to get together to the Lord in prayer. So a relationship built and grown in prayer not only strengthens your child's bond with the Lord, but also between you and your child. I want to make sure. I think that's one of the points. I want to make sure I get that right. Um, There is a seemingly never-ending list of things you need to teach your kids before they leave your house, right? But I want you to see that in those things, I invested my time in in energy, in prayer, and intimacy with God for him. And I'm not saying that to like boast. I'm not like this special person who does it. It's just the way that the Lord asked me to do it, and I'm seeing the fruit of that. As the leader, or one of my co, I'm the co-leader of the of the school of prayer in my house. I have to choose very carefully the curriculum I choose to teach, because I am a finite being. I have a limited amount of energy and time to do that. But thank the Lord that we serve a God who is infinite, that, that, that he can infinitely multiply every bit of investment that I put in my children. So when you are faithful to pursue what Jesus models in his world, or in his word, excuse me, he will faithfully and spontaneously give you the opportunity for the rest. And the Holy Spirit will guide you in those moments. So um, we're going we're gonna to go a little further into the vision of this. So that's kind of where we, where this is all coming from for me. I want Katie to uh, share where this is coming from for her, some of the, the burdens that the Lord placed on her heart tonight. Thank you, ma'am. That was so good, Courtney. Thank you. Um, so prayer for us in our house, prayer is relationship. It's just like if you don't talk to someone, if you don't call them on the phone, if you don't check in, you're an acquaintance. Yeah. So prayer for me is relationship with the Lord. It's one-on-one. It's in the room with all my kids. It's, it's all the time. It's checking in. It's being mindful. It's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And it's like having a friend on your shoulder or a parent or, you know, however the Lord, you're approaching the Lord in those moments. That is prayer for me. And um, I, I asked my son, Lincoln, he's seven. I said, Lincoln, what do, you, what do you think about when you think about prayer? 
And he gave me a really long answer. Um, so I took the second one. And he said, I'm sad that not everybody knows how to pray. And I just thought, we do. And because he, you know, we don't sit down. You know, Courtney's talking about a school of prayer. We don't sit down and have prayer class. You know, we, we homeschool our kids, but there's no prayer class. You know, our history is the Bible, but we don't sit down and, and you know, this is point A, B, C about talking to God, but we're doing it um, practically. And so sometimes my kids will find me on the floor crying on my knees, and they'll be like, Mommy, are you okay? Yes, I'm just talking to Jesus. And we just, sometimes we'll just keep prayer rooms on, like on YouTube or worship, and, you know, Kids in, in prayer and worship is not structured. You know, I think they have figured out a lot of things in New Song Kids that I have not, but it's pretty messy and it's pretty loose. But to me, the idea is an atmosphere where they know mommy, mommy's in connecting with the Lord right now. And if I walk in this room, I can choose, you know, to dance and be crazy. And there's no shame in that. Or I can, I can get on my knees and be emotional with mommy. Um, but I think... You know, the little things, like Courtney's saying, the spontaneous moments, laying your hands on somebody, is that, are we teaching them that that's what we do first? You know, do we reach for the medicine? Do we do we go for the, the essential oils? Or do, you know, my little four-year-old is, is putting his hands on you and saying, Daddy, let me pray. And when he prays, when he prays for our meals, Hudson, he's four, he says, God, thank you for our food and heal our ouchies and our bleedings and, um, bless God, and we pray for God in Jesus' name. Amen. And it's the same every time. <clears throat> but I love it, and we just, that, that, that is his prayer life. Um, those little things that matter to him is ouchies and his pleading, and God. He prays for God to God. Um, we add scripture. We do practical things in our, you know, our little schoolroom. Um, we do devotions. We rehearse what they learned in their class at church, which is totally entertaining if you're not doing that. You just open the door, you know. What what did you talk about in your class, or what story do you remember? What is this picture that I can't identify that you colored so lovely? For my kids, I get three a weekend, so we get lots of opportunities. Um, I think that they they just need the invitation. Um, we've done our being transformed journals with them, and it's we just I, you have to give them something to sit, you know, whether it's candy or a coloring book. So we give them. They have little um, drawing pads. They're super into sketching right now, so they have a little sketching pencil kit. And we just, my husband and I take turns reading the scripture and then asking the questions. And Lincoln, sometimes he'll, it seems like he's totally checked out. He's not really answering anything. But then at the end, he's like, look at this drawing I made. And the other night, it was like, it was the throne room of heaven, like revelation. He had no clue, but it, it was just like, lightning and a rainbow and oh my gosh totally the Holy Spirit so just making the opportunities making it normal um you know we say our bedtime prayers we say our our meal prayers we pray before school because we want them to go to the Lord before we pledge allegiance to America those little things that matter but when I was a kid I remember finding my mom every morning with her Bible open in a quiet place there was a lot of us kids. Uh, there was seven of us in our house. So she was very intentional to get up and have that time. Um, she would pray for all the little things. I remember her saying, I've been praying for you to have white teeth and 
I drink too much coffee, but that's not her <laughs> fault. And clear skin and, and friends, praying for good, godly friends. And um, what I learned was that she really believed that God was going to do those things. Or she wouldn't have sat there every morning with her Bible open. Um, I remember books about God's spirit, about the authority of the Lord. And, um, all, you know, on the coffee table, all her books on on Jesus, Jesus calling, being a friend of God, being an intercessor. Um, but I learned that she was trusting God with her children, and she was pursuing him like she needed him. Um, and again, you get to, as a, as a mom, as a parent on the other side, you start to understand those things. Those were deep things that she was doing. Um, our home is an altar. And in the Old Testament, the Lord was very specific about how to build an altar. You know, they built them as a place of memory. God, God did something here. He did a miracle here. God moved here. So let's build an altar and worship and sacrifice to the Lord. But he was very specific about how to build those. He said, get the, get the rocks from the earth as they are. They aren't to be touched by man or shaped or chiseled. And then you pile them up and, and that's it. All the cracks, all the crevices, all the imperfections, all the color, all the texture, and those stones represent our family. We don't have to figure it out. We don't have to get pretty. We don't have to say pretty words. We just have to bring our stones, build an altar, build a place with the Lord, build a place where you pray, where you worship together. And the most important thing is just show up. Just let your kids see you show up. Like show up with Jesus. Show up with coffee. Keep your Bible open. Keep your notebook by your Bible. Like the, those little things, like those are images that are so deep in my mind of my mom with the Lord, you know. Um, I think that that's, it, it's a heart posture. It's not a formula about, you know, we meet with the Lord every morning at 1130 or we make sure we pray for 30 seconds extra when we bless our food. It's a posture of your heart to keep that door open. Um, and the sacrifices of our God, this is what David said, the sacrifices of our Lord are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. These are the things that he accepts because they're real and they're precious and they're unfiltered. And that's what he longs for is true connection without pretension. And that's really easy for kids. So just let them be your example. Um, I believe that a praying family is ripe for revival in their home. It's one thing to pray in your prayer closet. We should be doing that. We should be meeting with the Lord early in the morning, late at night. But doing it in front of your kids, doing it with your spouse, these are the places that's, that little fires are lit. You are killing your flesh. You're picking up your cross when you pray. You're saying God is bigger and he can and I cannot. You're saying you have what I need. I do not. You, you have the plans for my children. I do not. You have this all figured out. And you're showing your kids what humility looks like. You're showing your kids that they don't have to have it all together, that they have somebody that they can look to because mom and dad have somebody that they're asking questions to, that, you know, they, they see you relying on the Lord. Just like I saw my mom, she's praying for tiny things or big things. Um, so it's okay to be a, a kind of a sloppy, unfiltered example, but just keep showing up with the Lord in front of them. If you can imagine your family opening up like that, you know, some of us have four-year-olds, some of us have 17-year-olds, but I believe if we can cultivate this kind of just bring your stone and build the altar kind of kind of um, 
a culture in our homes, then we learn to be vulnerable in front of each other. We learn to say what we're feeling. We learn to be open-hearted, open-handed before the Lord and in front of your, your family. Um, but imagine like sisters and brothers seeking God for each other because it's normal to pray for each other. It's normal in this house. We just, we just say it and we pray it. We just say the, the hard stuff. We just say the stuff we don't really understand and then we pray um, instead of slamming the doors and talking bad about each other because we're 14 and that's all we understand. It's going to happen too. I believe that's, that's okay. There's no shame in those things. But if, if the normal is showing up with your rock on the altar and just making this space where we, we have an opening, we have an invitation, um, I think them seeing our desperate need for Jesus, well, it's, that's what's going to train our kids to go to God for everything and all the little things. Courtney? So good. Okay, I know most of you signed up for this class uh, expecting it to be all about how to train your children in prayer, but one of the things the Lord revealed to me was that this class is called Building Praying Families because in order for this to work, it has to be a whole family thing. So we're going to address some of the major reasons why we don't see praying happening more often. Um, in this book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, author Tyler Statton lists out some ma major reasons why we don't pray. Um, and one of the first things he addresses is that we say, like, we're too busy. We're too busy to pray. And yet he points out that as busy as we are, we still find time to eat and sleep and sometimes do more frivolous things like have a social life and exercise and all the other things that we fit into our day. So what he's saying is people make time for what really matters to them. So if that's true, then it stands to reason there is more to why we do not pray. So he lists out four main reasons why he, he believes people are not praying. The first one is that people fear being naive. He says that prayer cannot be mastered. It's always a means of submission. That to pray is to willingly put ourselves out there, exposed, risk being played the fool, getting let down, getting our hopes up. We risk, right? We risk being seen as naive. And over the course of our lives, generally speaking, we've learned to avoid that at all costs. You won't make a fool of me. I'm not going to get my hopes up. I've been let down too many times before. So we, we fear that we are being naive. The second one is that we fear silence. Dallas Willard says, silence is frightening because it strips us as nothing else does, throwing us upon the stark realities of life. In that quiet, what if it turns out that there is very little to just me and God? Prayer means facing silence when we are addicted to noise. The third, the third fear that you see is that we, they, we fear selfish motives. That when we start to vocalize the things that are on our heart and in our mind, we start to have to self-evaluate what it is we're praying for. Did I do enough praying for the lost? Did I do enough praying for that person? Was I bold enough? What am I, what am, what am I even praying for? Why am I praying for it? Why am I praying for more money when I'm not giving to the poor? You know, we, we, we're faced with the reality of self-evaluation and we, we recognize that we might have selfish motives so we just would prefer not to have to deal with that. 
And the fourth one is that we fear doing it wrong. The more often you pray, the more opportunity you have to be compared to somebody else. And that is frightening. This fear most often comes up when we start talking about praying out loud in front of other people in spoken prayer. It's easier to say, okay, 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 okay. I get the prayer prayer thing. I'll do that. I'll pray, but I want to do it quietly and to myself where nobody else can see me do it because I am afraid that I'm going to do it wrong or I'm going to not do it as well as somebody else around me has. So in all of those reasons, I hope you noticed that the basis for the majority of the reasons that we do not pray is fear. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Since after all, if you're going to be leading the school of prayer in your home, don't you think you're going to have to start leading by instruction at some point? You're going to have to start teaching prayer by demonstration. If you're going to do what Katie's talking about, you're going to have to do it out front and in front of people, even those little people in your life. You're going to have to actually pray with your mouth and make sound. So let's talk about that. Did you know that the number one fear in human beings is public speaking? I read that it said that people fear public speaking more than death. Now, I think, like, if it came down to it, and I was like, if you don't speak, you're going to die, people would speak. They'd say, okay, fine, I'll speak. But that in itself speaks to what we're talking about, the level of fear that we're talking about when it comes to, to opening our mouths and praying in front of people. Unfortunately, we live in, you know, uh, the, the basis of this fear is people are fearing things that are like rejection, loss of opportunity, inadequacy, isolation, humiliation. These are, these are real fears that people are, are feeling surrounded by public speaking. And unfortunately, in, we live in a very human world. And those things are realities. Like those things could actually happen. You could be humiliated if you got up in public, tried to public speak. You could lose opportunity at work. You could, you could fail. You could be inadequate. You could be unprepared. That's a very real possibility. But unfortunately, and more, even more devastatingly, we find that those fears of public speaking carry over directly into the prayer life, especially when we talk about praying in public. So I want you to um, get out your pen and paper for notes again. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. Um, but before we do that, I want to I ask you, how many of you struggle with the idea of praying out loud? How many of you are afraid I'm going to ask you to do it right now? Yeah, okay, I promise I won't. Okay. Um, but, I, but I do want you to write these things down. If you have ever experienced the fear of praying out loud, I want you to think about what it is that's causing your fear. Because you're not, you're, not fear for the sake, you're not fearful for the sake of fear. There's something else that you're worried about that's going to happen if you're put on the spot like that. So write down some of those things. What is it that's the, the root cause of the fear you experience when I say, I'm going to pick you to pray out loud? Okay, it looks like most of you knew pretty quickly what it was you were fearful of. Um, I am not going to make you share what it is you're afraid of. But I do want to cover some of the most common reasons people are fearful, besides what I already talked about. Um, some of the, the most common reasons that come up for, for fear is that you feel untrained or ill-equipped 
to pray. So you have feelings of inadequacy in prayer. The second is that you're afraid to mess it up or that you would be embarrassed. The third is that you're not good enough or you feel like you cannot do it as good as somebody else you've seen do it, otherwise known as comparing. And this last one is a big one is that your prayers will not be effective and it will go unanswered because of you. That if it's left up to me to pray, it's probably not gonna work out because I don't even know what I'm doing. There's a fear that the responsibility rides on you and you're gonna mess it up. So if those were your reasons or you had other reasons, I, I, whatever it is that the Lord brought to your attention, I wanna remind you that 99.9% .9 of the time, what you wrote down is a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. And the enemy will do anything to stop you from communicating and interceding with your father. And he does it through attacks on your identity. I just want to uh, highlight something to you that this was, this was pointed out to me as I was praying over this uh, and, I'm, and I'm writing these things down and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, why are we so fearful of this? What are we so afraid of? This all has to do with other humans. We're talking about prayers with our Father, and this has to do with other humans. All of these things have to do with other humans. Uh, and I, I heard the Lord say, I want you to make sure that they know that your prayer life is, about, um, that your prayer life is not about anyone else in the room. Your prayer life is not about anyone else in the room. It is a conversation between you and your Father, and He holds you to no such expectations. It's like he, he's waiting for you. You're his bride and he's waiting for the arrival. Like the very reason for eternity for him is a relationship with you. When you let the expectations of others cheapen your relationship with the father, it's you who suffers. He's waiting and he doesn't care what it looks like. He just wants you to come to him. So, if we recognize that what's the base of your fear is a lie, do you know the truth? Do you know what the word says about those lies? I had you write it down, and what I want you to do tonight or this week in your quiet time, in your Being Transformed journal, when you're communing with the Lord, I want you to take the lies that you're believing, and I want you to go seek out what the word says about that. I want you to seek out the truth, because here's the thing. You're not the only one experiencing it. Your child is going to grow up in a world that teaches them all the same things you learned. And if you want them to know the truth, you have to learn it first. Because you are the lid to your child's ed education when it comes to the things of the kingdom. At least while they're under your instruction. You can't, like we talked about, like New Song Kids does an amazing job. But they get like one hour a week with your kids. And they do, and they do the, the most that they can with that hour, that hour and a half. But you're the lid. You're the primary example. You're the one who's going to be instructing them. So you need to know the truth that's going to come up against the lies that you are believing and that your children might start believing. I have this fire in me that I've been studying and pursuing building a praying family. And I just felt like this was such an important topic because one of the things that I don't want to accept going forward is a generation of timid prayers who fear man more than they fear God. I've already seen that. I've been part of that. I've feared man more than God. I've been timid to pray. I've been afraid to be called on. I've already seen that. I know it doesn't work. 
So I don't want to accept it going forward. I want to see a generation that rises up in prayer, that leads in prayer, that goes to prayer first, that says, this is how it's done, come with me, that teaches their friends who aren't in church what it looks like to pray. That's what I want to see in this next generation. But I also realize that we can't see that come to pass unless we address the current generation of leaders, which is you as the parents. So tonight, this week, go home, combat the lies, wrestle with the Lord, figure out what you need to figure out with him, and start speaking the truth over yourself as leaders of the school of prayer in your home. Um, Katie, you're going to talk about how perfect love casts out fear. Okay, we're going to find some truth for all those lies we just wrote down. You can say amen. (laughs) You're allowed when you feel so inclined. The enemy wants you to fear man and believe the lie that you cannot meet God's expectations, right? The truth will set you free from this. Do you know any? Do you know any truth? Who's the truth? Jesus. Jesus. He's also the way. He's also the life. So if your prayer life is dead and full of lies, what do you need? Jesus. Guess what? He's a book. You can read him. Everything that he ever said and wants you to know. It's already written, and it's, oh, it's there for your study. Tear it apart. Eat it like bread. Make it daily bread. Eat the truth, okay? And all those lies will get swallowed up. So what is the truth? Perfect love casts out fear. Who is love? God is love. Fill your heart with the word, with the truth. And you, all that fear will have to flee. God wants you so badly that he gave his greatest love for you. His greatest sacrifice. So that, not so you can have a prayer life. So that you can have a relationship. So if it's intimidating to call it a prayer life, let's call it a relationship. If it's hard to talk about talking to God and praying, let's just call it relationship. So the lie is relationships are scary and hard, and I don't have time for any more people in my circle. But do you know why you were created? Are you filled with questions? Are you filled with fear? Are you filled with lies, then you must not know how much God values you because he gave his best for you. And when we refuse relationship because fear intimidates us, we're, we're giving God the Heisman. Like, I'd rather live with these fears than confront them with the truth. You are deserving of God's voice, his affections, his thoughts, because of the atonement Jesus made for you. You are now worthy to sit at the right hand of the Father in open, vulnerable, real relationship, confession, communication, communion. You are a son and not a slave. You get to know your Father's plans. You get to know his will. All you have to do is ask. That's what he said. Just ask. Ask anything. Ask, seek, knock. We develop this communication through a life of prayer. Jesus surrounded himself with prayer warriors No, fishermen, uneducated people. They were not eloquent. They were low on the totem pole of society. But what did they have to offer Jesus? Hunger, time. Jesus said, follow me. And they said, okay, 
whatever that means. They dropped, they just laid down, you know, their livelihood to follow Jesus. He chose people with nothing to offer except their time, their hunger, and their humility. He invited them to to do life closely with him and talk all day with him. He wanted their time, their hearts, their attention. I don't think he was going to get that if he invited like the high priests into his inner circle. They would have been like, we got it. We're not hungry. Um, Sorry, I lost my place. The disciples brought to the table hunger. They said, like Courtney said, Lord, teach us to pray. We're teachable. We are asking. We're hungry for this thing that we see is, is driving your ministry, is driving your life. It makes us tolerable to you because you are so full of the love of the Father, and we want to be like that. Jesus, as he promises in Matthew 5, filled their hunger and thirst for righteousness. He poured out his heart and teaching to them because they gave him their yes. Humility is um, the only way to receive grace. So if we say, I've figured out prayer, it looks like X, Y, and Z, and it's at this time and that time, and these two scriptures are my prayer life, then you've lost the grace to develop a prayer life. It's humility. It's hunger. It's, Lord, I I have zero to offer you but time, and I just want to know who you are. The enemy wants to distract you and make you busy, and it's really easy. It's so easy. But when you want to make a new friend and you find somebody that you're like, hey, I think we click. What do you do? You set a date. Let's get coffee on purpose. Not like maybe, like, let's connect. That's never going to happen. Right, we're all in here, we have children. That's never going to happen. Prayer is relationship. It is practice. Just like getting to know a new friend, you make time, you make space for conversation, for connection without interruption. And then what supplements those times without interruption is times with interruption. You learn to, to let it carry over because you get full on the uninterrupted times. What if you carved out like 15 minutes in the morning? When the house is calm, to sit with your Bible open, sit with a notebook, and you said out loud, God, I want to know you. I'm here. Here's my time. Here's my attention. James 4, 8 says, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. He has no option but to meet you in your hunger. He cannot deny a hungry heart. All he needs is an opportunity, just like our kids. They just need a little space to learn how to pray. Jesus just needs a little space in your life, a little surrender, a little humility. God, I need help. God, I don't know how to pray. God, I don't know what to bring you. I don't know how to talk to my kids. I don't know how to, I don't know how to talk to my husband about this. It's, it's humility, and the grace comes, and the words come, and the word starts to bubble up from your 15 minutes with Jesus, starts to carry over into the times where you yell, a little bit, and then you're like, I'm, I've learned to be humble and say, hey, buddy, you don't deserve to be yelled at. I'm so sorry. Even if I'm frustrated, you don't deserve that because the Lord's teaching me humility in our carved out on purpose time. Just start. Just pray the word. Put your name into the Psalms. I, me, pronouns. Put your name. Put your kid's name in there. And just read it out loud. That is a prayer. 
Okay, those are prayers. Pray the word. Remind the Lord of his word. Don't let the enemy, don't let lies and insecurity or expectations keep you from talking to God. I think you guys have some scriptures in there. Um, I'm going to read one of them, Hebrews 4. It's 14 through 16. It says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who is tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace, that's God's throne, with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I think, Courtney, you have some practical things for us. Okay, so let's dive into the practical aspect of this. So you've, you've, you've heard the why, and you've heard sort of the what. So let's talk about the how. Uh, one of the reasons that some of these lies that, are, that we hear or believe, they're so easily believable, is because sometimes they have a semblance of truth attached to them. Like, if you ever played that game, Two Truths and the Lie, the best lie is when it's like almost the truth, right? So like, the enemy gives us almost the truth to believe. And so things like not feeling like you know how to pray, that, that could be re a reality in your world. You might actually feel inadequate in prayer. So we compiled a list of some things that we do practically to help you as parents. And we're going to kind of go back and forth in, in some of these things because we, we want you to walk out of here feeling like, if I don't know it all, I can at least do these things. Okay, so the first one is you don't have to know it all. And Katie actually just touched on this. The best prayers that you can pray are actually already given to you. It's praying God's word over you, your family, the people you love. It's, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. This is called confession and declarations. You just take scripture and you apply it to your life. Now, it's important, recognize context, you know, read some scriptures around the scripture that you're reading, but take those scriptures. I, we do this all the time in New Song. We do it in main service. You know, before we started doing the, the new declarations, which we, those are all declarations. We did the, uh, our, uh, our word, word declaration. That, that came from Deuteronomy 28, 13. That I am the head and not the tail. I am above only, not beneath. That's, that's us putting the I. That's you being the I, saying I, Courtney, am the head and not the tail. We didn't invent that out of nowhere. That wasn't just some snazzy saying we came up with. That was God's word that we were praying and declaring over ourselves. It doesn't have to be complicated. You can create cheat sheets. You can have things all over your house. Um, Pastor Trudy, this is, um, she is the sweetest, and she let me take some of her cheat sheets. And these are like typed on a typewriter. Now, this is a copy. She didn't give me her original. But these are typed on a typewriter things where she wrote out uh, a prayer for a young man. This was born because she made a prayer for her son. And it says, Father, in Jesus' name, I come before you today. Thank you, thank you for my son, Josh Blunt. Thank you for my daughter. Look, there's like handwritten notes that she's praying. Kenny and I, we pray over Brooke, Scott, and Ryan. Josh plus wife. She didn't even have a name yet, but she was praying for her. She has all of these, she has pages and pages of these. So not only are these like heirloom prayers for her family to pass down, but they're examples of how you can do this too. She sat, she sat down, got in the word, and made a prayer. Also, a lot of these are already done for you. These are called liturgies. 
There are books and books and books full of prayers. You can just go to a chapter. This one's called the common prayer for the ordinary radicals. This one's called prayers that avail much. These are prayers. I mean, they have table of contents. You want to pray for disobedience? There's a prayer in here. You want to pray for uh, obedience? (laughs) There's a prayer in here. There are prayers, topical prayers, that are based in the word that you can go to. So now the excuse of I don't know how to do it, that's removed. That doesn't get to be in your toolbox anymore because you have access to prayers that are based in the word. Um, you can also do simple prayers. It doesn't have to be this, this extravagant thing. Lord, teach me to be more like you. Help me practice the way of Jesus. Help me be the salt and the light. Pray that in front of your kids. Every morning we get in car rider line and I say, uh, Lord, I'm so thankful for Emmett, Wren, and Lily. They are headed into Rose Union on mission and on, and they always yell time, but that's not what I'm getting at. I say purpose, and we're never on time. So it's like we're headed on time. That's them speaking in faith. They're, they're trolling me, but they know that it's on mission and on purpose. They are going to be the salt and the light. They are going to be leaders in encouragement and the fruits of the Spirit, and they list them all off with me. These are just things that I've learned over time of just knowing his word and praying it over them. And they know it. When they start praying, they pray those things because they've watched me do it through repetition, yeah. through repetition. And then I talk about, do you know what salt and light means? Do you know what practice the way of Jesus means? And we talk about that. that that's born out of prayer. They're just little conversations that we get to have. Um, it's simple communication with your creator, which leads to point number two. Starting simple like my little huddies praying for his ouchies and bleedings. We don't have a lot of those. I don't know we're not, you know, weird. But, you know, it's boo-boos. And he's learning to recognize them. And now he's not scared of Band-Aids. So we're a lot more open to those ouchies and boo-boos. And they're important to him. And he prays for them at our meals, which is, you know, kind of gross. But we're not going to shut it down because he's, he's learning. This matters to me. So it matters to God. You know, we can start with let's pray on our way to school let's pray for your teacher let's pray for can you name some of your classmates let's pray for them by name does oh does he like math let's let's bless his class for math today or we pray help lincoln be bold help him be kind lord help him show your love and be light i'm learning to say less not adding to those ouchy bleeding boo-boo prayers that's enough that was a prayer Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. You don't need your tagline on there to wrap it up and put a bow on it, okay? Um, I'm pretty sure the disciples saw Jesus pray some ugly prayers, okay? Some teary, you know, like mascara-runny prayers, and there were no bows on those prayers. It was just real. I think that um, we can leave our kids feeling sometimes like they didn't do good enough, they didn't hit the mark. Oh, yeah, let me, okay, mommy will take it from here. And they're like, what you know I would feel like well why did I even pray you're just gonna redo my prayer Um, the goal is for them to open up to God say what is on their heart what they're really thinking not to make people feel comfortable not to make me feel like I'm an awesome prayer warrior because my kids pray in tongues and you know know all the scriptures and have memorized and their prayers sound pretty it also cultivates a tenderness Praying together cultivates healthy expression within our family. What's really going on in in our little ones' hearts? They just say things sometimes, and you're like, I totally missed that. Thank you, Jesus, that he knows you hear and you see, you know. 
It creates a freedom to acknowledge things that are not pretty or filtered. Let's just take it to Jesus. Praying in front of your kids, it shows them that you don't have it all figured out. It shows them that we are seeking the Lord for the answers, for the wisdom, for provision. We stop, we give thanks. Little tiny things. Oh, you made it across the monkey bars. Praise the Lord. You know, you were you got a star sticker today at school. Let's just thank Jesus that he's helped you to be so awesome and amazing. Pray, little praises, stopping praise break, little prayer break. Okay, it's okay to pull aside and say, Mommy just needs a minute. I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come. Just start. Start small, keep it simple, let their prayers be their own prayers. Um, and Courtney has a little more. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I learned leading up to the last set of equipped classes was all about habits, healthy habits. Uh, and all of those are available online. If you ever want to go back, you can hear those things. But one of the things that stuck with me was habit stacking. So this is the, the practice of sanctifying the times in your day that you're doing the things you already have to do. Example, I have to bring my kids to school. They will not get to school any other way. There's no bus for the pre-Kers. So I have to bring them. That means I have 15 minutes built into my day that's non-negotiable. So I get to sanctify that time by creating structure in there. We do prayer for the first 10 minutes, always. Then we get to the, when we get to the car rider line, we memorize scripture. And Pastor Sarah has made that super easy by donating some of her discipleship on the go cards to anyone who doesn't already have a pack. There are 36 weeks of scripture that, that line up with the school weeks of the year. So we go through and we, we memorize the scripture together. There's little questions on the bottom that you can ask about the scripture. And then we pray that scripture. So a couple weeks ago, it was, you are the vine and I am the branches. Apart from you, I can do nothing. And so thank you, Lord, that you are the vine and I don't have to be. Thank you that I am your branch, that you are the source of life for me, that apart from you, I can do nothing and I don't have to do anything. So we're just praying the scripture. Yeah. They've memorized it and then we pray it. So it teaches them how to put that into practical application. Um, when you're washing dishes, pray out loud. Do worship. When you're doing bedtime, there's a, a story in one of the books that we read in the Habits of the Household about how they do bedtime blessings where they take a moment to look in their child's eyes and say, do you know that I love you? Do you know I love you no matter what? No matter what you do, no matter what you say, I love you. Do you know that Jesus loves you that same way? So every day, my kids will never be able to say that it went a day, well, except for if I'm out of town, but like every, most of the days, they will have looked in my eyes and heard that I love them and that no matter what they do, they can't change that. It takes 60 seconds of my day, but I know that that investment is powerful, but I build that into bedtime. I'm not going to remember to do that randomly at the grocery store. I would also look very strange doing that at the grocery store. So I take these times that are built into my day and I build the practices that I want to see myself doing into those times I cannot avoid. Um, this works for anything that you're doing. But I would encourage you to start that with prayer and see where, that, see where the Lord leads you from there. Messy is beautiful. You know, we appreciate those two fingerprints on a piece of paper. You know, it's messy. It's beautiful. You're amazing. You're an artist. Look what you made. Messy prayers are so beautiful. 
like it's just an opening. It's just an opening. That's what we want. We are kings and priests according to the word of God. In the in the old covenant, the priests had really messy, unpleasant jobs. They were doctors. They were insurance adjusters. They would go through houses of leprosy and figure out if that was leprosy and if you could live there. And they would inspect the sickness and the gross stuff. And then they would take people to the temple. They would bring their sacrifice and they would walk them through the cleansing process to be atoned, to be one with the Lord again. This is our role as parents. Okay, take the messy, take the yucky, take the goofy prayers. They're rolling around, you know, their feet are in the air while we're having a very serious prayer time. They're present though. So if we can do this in our homes where we make this the norm, Whatever this looks like, this is our time, okay? And we're going to bring it back to Jesus. And whatever you're going through today, messy, perfect, whatever it is, we're going to bring it back to Jesus. This is what Jesus paid for for us so that we can function in this role. And we don't have to ask a pastor. We don't have to wait till Sunday. This is our role in our house. This is our role in the car when things get weird. This is our role at the end of the day when bad attitudes come home take their little hand and we walk them back to Jesus and we say let's get let's invite the holy spirit let's just let's just take a minute we just need to we just need to hear the lord we just need to say some scriptures out loud let it be messy welcome welcome whatever they're bringing you and help them take it to the lord um, jesus said when the disciples were fighting about who is the most awesome jesus says you idiots no, he doesn't. He says, there's real scripture. I didn't write it. Thank the Lord. Matthew 18, 1 says, At the time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus invites a little child to stand among them. And he says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world for the causes of sin. These stumbling blocks must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. I think it's pretty important to Jesus that the kids get to come, that they're important, that they get their space. But, like, think about how a kid comes. Like, I'm hungry. I love you. Look at my eyes. Look at my picture. Look, I need a snack. You know, I, I need to watch the TV. I'm mad at my brother. He took my toy. There is no filter. And sometimes you just wish there was a little filter, like, whoa, mommy, you know, I'm doing the dishes and I'm writing invoices and I'm, I, I don't, I, I need a little filter, I need a little context, but they have zero. And that's what Jesus is saying. Would you just come humble like a, like a little one? Like, Lord, my life is a mess. I don't know what I need. I'm starving. My finances are falling apart. My kids are making me crazy and I just need help. And I just, I came to you because I, I know you got what I need. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. If we don't honor that in our kids and we say, okay, let's just take that to the Lord. Holy smokes, I need to get my bearings. Let's just take that to the Lord. The joy and the satisfaction that settles in when you recognize I can meet their every need. 
I can settle their little soul if I just lean in. That is the joy of the Father when we come like a child. I've got it all. Let's just take a second. Let's settle into this. Can we come with that kind of faith like a little kid? You got what I need. I'm here for it. You know, whatever it is. But that kind of faith pleases the Lord. All the filters, all the stuff that we add in, all the stuff that we we make our prayers pretty or we got to figure it out or, you know, be like a little kid. Come to the kingdom hungry, desperate, but confident. Like, this is where I get what I need. So good. Um, The next point we have for you is to invite your kids in. A lot of what we've been talking about is through demonstration, that that your kids will learn through observation of you praying. But uh, during Block's conference, the Lord dropped this vision into my heart to uh, not just pray for my kids, but to pray with my kids. Um, Because I knew that if push came to shove, they, and I, I had a headache. My kids would know, like, oh, I, I pray you're, yeah, that you're healed by Jesus' stripes. Amen. They understood that. Um, but I felt like he was calling me deeper. How can, how can I help them pray beyond just the things they've heard me pray in little moments? That's, there's nothing wrong with those little moment prayers. But I, uh, he was calling me to go deeper, to, to invest in them more. And so he gave me this idea. And feel free to steal this. This is nothing like, this is like the Lord's idea, nothing that I did on my own. Um, but I have a core group through the Being Transformed Journal. Um, and he just felt, he just gave me the idea to have 12 kingdom family prayer nights. And so this is where we made, at a point, we made a point, an appointment on the calendar to get together and we would all pray with our kids. So they would see me praying. They would see Miss Emily praying. They'd see Mr. Jared praying. They would see Mr. Dave praying. They'd see my husband praying. And not just my kids, but all of the kids in the room are seeing other adults praying too. But most importantly, they're praying. So the first time we did it, it was so awkward at first. The kids were like, uh, you want me to do what? Like my son cried. He's like, I can't believe you're making me do this. I was like, babe, these people love you. They're not going to, whatever you're afraid of, they're not, they're not going to do that. They're here. They support you. They love you. And so they started off praying and then one would do it. And then the next one and the next one, and by the end of the night, they're like rolling, right? They're praying. Like I got adults that are texting me afterwards saying, I wish I was as bold as some of these kids because they caught a vision for it. My sister was in town at that time. Um, she was not a believer. And she was in the room because she had nowhere else to be. I was her ride. And so I felt like, okay, I'm going to make her feel really awkward. And I'm going to have us pray over her because um, she can't tell me no. And so as soon as we, we go to lay hands on her and pray for her, before I could even get started, the kids are like praying for her one after another. She's crying. It was super sweet. Um, and even her daughter, who's, who's really not known Jesus, is like, I want to pray for my mom. And we're like, yes, absolutely. So they're teaching each other how to pray just by doing it. And then they're seeing the adults in the room pray. And so afterwards, um, the Lord is so sweet to bless you when you make an investment like that. Like that was an investment on our part. That was a lot of schedules to get together and to make it happen. In January, everyone was sick. I don't know what was going on. We actually had to have two in February. And so uh, we had back to back. But it was the Lord is so sweet to bless you when you invest like that. Right afterwards, uh, I got home and I had text messages from one of the moms telling me that as they were going home and grabbing a bag of burgers from Brahms, her nine-year-old daughter said, Mom, ask him if he has any prayer requests. And she's like, what? And she's like, yeah, ask the cashier if he has any prayer requests. And she's going, okay, um, do you have any prayer requests? And the guy's like, what? 
She's like, do you have any prayer requests? Like, can we pray for you? And he's like, actually, my, my girlfriend's mom has cancer. Would you pray for her? And they're like, she's about to start praying. And her daughter's like, mom, I got this. And so she climbs into the friend's seat, and she's praying for this cashier at Brahms about his girlfriend's mom's cancer. Like, it was just so sweet and, and raw and real that this guy who's just at work on a, on a, on a regular Sunday night is receiving prayer from a child. Like, she didn't fear what he thought of her anymore. And so she told me, she said, tonight changed my life. I always thought I'd never be able to pray out loud, but I know that I can do it now. So I'll never be the same. And I'm just sitting here going, thank you, Lord, for being so faithful to encourage me in what you've asked me to do. But the point of that is you have to invite them in to prayer. Yeah. It's like Katie said, it's not about doing it for them. It's not about doing it right. It's about giving them the space to try. Yeah. Because one day they will leave your home. And if they've never had a safe opportunity to, to just try, they're not going to try that out on their own in environments that don't feel very safe. Yeah. So just show them the way and let the Holy Spirit run wild in them. I promise you they'll catch a hold and they'll do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. And the next part was... Um, have your kids pray what's on their heart. I spent months in the car, like on the way into, excuse me, on the way into um, car rider line, trying to get my son to pray, trying and trying and trying. And he'd be like, I pray that the day goes by really, really fast in Jesus' name, amen. Every morning, every morning he prayed that the day would go away really, really fast. And I'm like, baby, don't pray your life away. Like enjoy the day or anything. And so I just felt like I was like, what am I doing wrong? And so the Lord told me, just have him pray what's on his heart. And so I know, and if anyone has encountered my son and spent any time in a car with him, they know that he's passionate about homeless people. He will stop. He's like, is that a homeless person? Is that a homeless person? Is that a homeless person? Can we, uh, he was in a car with somebody and they had, they were going to get like ICs or something. And he's like, can I use my $20 to give to this homeless person? And we're like, we live in Edmond. There probably aren't that many people on the corners where we're driving, but, um, Sure, you know, and so I said, "Hun, why don't you today, why don't you pray for the homeless people? And it's like the floodgates of heaven opened up in his little heart. Like he just prayed and prayed and prayed. I couldn't get him to stop. I'm like, we're here. You got to get out of the car. Like it's time to go. He just had so much prayer ready to go. It was just locked up behind the door of um, what his understanding was. And so since that day, he's eager to pray. And he prays about more things now. He's like, I'll pray for the teachers. I'll pray for this. I'll pray for that. A few weeks ago, we had a classmate. He had a classmate whose father passed away unexpectedly. And we're driving home from a late night. I, I don't even remember what it was. And he said, Mom, can I pray for that family? I was like, absolutely, bud. Sure, let's do it. And, like, the level of prayer, and not judging prayer, like, but the level of prayer that came out of his mouth was so eloquent and so far beyond his, what I assumed was his capacity it was just intimate and tender and beyond his years because he was speaking truth and grace over this family because he was a willing mouthpiece for the Lord. Like he, he was a willing participant. This is not like he's mustering this, this up. He was a willing participant and not a forced captive because he learned that through praying about what he cares about. Um, and sometimes it takes pointing that out. Like when I gave him the opportunity to pray about anything, he prayed about getting out of school. But when I helped, when I, I know his heart, 
when I started to show him the things that he might care about more than getting out of school early, it unleashed something in him. And like tonight, he prayed in a room full of adults. This is like unheard of. He prayed in a room full of adults who were praying over the service, and he was willing to pray in front of them, like over you guys. Six months ago, that would not have happened. It's just about inviting them in, letting them practice, giving them, giving them permission, and letting them run wild. Has anyone ever gotten a hard prayer from their kid? Like, uh, you know, raise my lizard from the dead or something? <laughs> okay. I know I'm not alone in here in a room full of parents. <clears throat> so those are tough. But there's some faith in there yeah. we got to cultivate and say, buddy, I'm here for it. You know, I'm here for it. Whatever that means. Holy Spirit, come. <clears throat> So here's one that Lincoln says, he, not anymore, he's grown up a little bit, but he used to say, put his hands on you to pray for healing, and we bind the stripes of Jesus. You know, that sounds a little like blasphemy, but what he's saying is, by his stripes, mom is healed, you know, just let it come out, you know, let the, let the Lord raise my fish from the dead, let it come out, and then be led by the Holy Spirit. Um, so getting a little real, my father passed away about a year ago. This was my, my two boys, buddy, but so Huddy who's four. He was three, very little to understand what's going on. He's still praying, still praying every night. I pray for God. I pray for Jesus and I pray for pop to not die. And at first I couldn't get through it without crying, but now I'm just like, let it come. He cares about that still. And I have no grid for this, but he's, he trusts God with something there, you know? Like, he's bringing his little heart to the Lord and just saying, like, Lord, that I still care about this. And, and we talk about it, you know, we try, to, we try to make space for it in a healthy way and try to, you know, when it's necessary, explain the reality of the situation but there's something so tender and precious there that I don't want to just quelch because I don't understand. I can't just say, hey, buddy, we're going to stop praying like that because mommy can't get through it. Or, hey, buddy, this is not our reality anymore. You need to understand. It's not about our understanding. It's way less important than their heart running to Jesus over and over with the hard stuff, with the weird stuff, like... You know, at least he's not coming to me saying those things every night, you know, asking me for answers. He's just taking it to Jesus, and I just have to let it go to the Lord. I, I'm not going to filter it. I'm not going to try to explain it away, and I'm not going to try to put it in a context that I can grasp so that I can explain it because I don't want to put a lid on that. Right. I don't want to put a lid on that little, you know what, Jesus cares about this, this for me. So I'm just going to keep going there. So it's about their heart. It's about inviting God in and just making that opening for him. Just keep going there. And you have to just be humble. Let, lay down your understanding. And just praise the Lord that he hears. And he, he will have all the answers. Yeah. But he's learning now to take it to Jesus over and over. Okay. Um, we have about... Uh, 10 minutes, so we'll make this last part quick. Um, 
once you have a solid foundation of what you're doing through habit stacking and prayer and doing all those things, I'd encourage you to start building on that. That's a great foundation, and you can start building. There's some, here's some things that, that I've built in, that we've built into our uh, time with our kids. There's three the three S's, uh, silence, stillness, and secret place. These are things where we're teaching our kids to come to God with nothing. No journal, no scripture, no agenda, no, no anything. They're just going to sit in quiet and listen. So often we think of prayer as the act of opening our mouth and saying, but there's also a component of prayer where it's sitting and listening and receiving. Um, a, con- a one-sided conversation is pretty lame if you're the other side of the conversation, right? So uh, allow God time to speak and uh, teaching your kids to listen and be quiet in that. During a, a time of quietness in, in the car one morning, um, I always ask the kids, well, what did you hear from God in that moment? And my son told me that he felt called into ministry. And now he's, he's eight. That's what his heart, that's what he's hearing. And so I asked him, I said, what do you think you need to do with that? And he said, uh, I think God's telling me to be, be better at praying for people. I'm like, perfect. That's exactly what I've been trying to teach you, but, he, but God told him right? But he heard that when he listened. So teaching them the practice of listening. Um, and then the other one you can add in is, is words of encouragement and appreciation. Uh, in the book, The uh, Fire on the Altar, Cheryl Sachs says that belonging is one of the greatest spiritual hungers for young people today. This means that as parents, we should be concerning ourselves about or with the source of that sense of belonging and where it's coming from. We should be concerning ourselves with the source of where that's coming from. Prayer is the perfect time to practice giving words of encouragement because it's, it's, it, it naturally fits, right? You don't have to like force it and be like, hey, bud, I'd love to encourage you right now. It just fits in what you're already doing. You're flowing. You're just, and it doesn't even have to be uh, it, put together really nicely. Like we do blessings. And so I have my kids bless each other every morning and they're like, I think that Lily is really good at listening in class. <laughs> Ren doesn't know that. She's never been in class with Lily, but it encourages Lily, and it sticks with her throughout the day. You see them, they're just like beaming. Um, there's a story in this book about a grandma who decided to give blessings at the end of every phone conversation she had with her grandkids, and she did it the first time, and she did it the second time, and by the third time, she was getting ready to hang up, and her grandson said, do you not have a blessing for me today? Like, they're so ready, and they're so willing, and it's, it speaks to something so deep in them um, that why not build it in, right? Uh, and then the last one is to raise your expectations. Years ago, I was struggling with a situation. Uh, it was like a birthday party or something, and it felt like I had put all this time and energy into it, and it wasn't turning out how I thought it should. And my friend was so kind. He said, you know, you'd enjoy this a whole lot more if you just lowered your expectations. And I was like, that's probably true. Um, so I just did that. I just like lowered my expectations and didn't care if I got the perfect pictures or whatever. And I got to like really enjoy the whole point of what I was doing because it was just about being in the moment. I lowered my expectations. And that's a great mantra to have for a lot of things. But what it's not great for is the spiritual development of your children. I find over and over again, the more I raise the expectations for my kids, the more and more and more they rise to meet those expectations. So we are not raising children to remain children. The Bible says that we are to raise up warriors to come against the kingdom of darkness. So we want to start training them in the way that they, we want them to go, not in the way that we think they can get by. Um, so uh, really quick, uh, we, you kind of touched on this a little bit about what do we do when they need more? What about the hard stuff? I know that uh, recently we've been dealing with this about my son had pr- 
he started praying prayers when I wasn't around, so I didn't even know what he was praying for. And he came to me and was crying because he felt like God wasn't answering his prayer. Um, and in that moment, the Lord gave me the example of, well, you know, bud, I prayed for a really long time to have you. And that was a really hard journey. But look, you're one of the greatest blessings of my life. But I had to pray for a long time before I saw that happen. So he gave me the answer in that moment. Um, but as your kids get older and they start dealing with the harder things, you're going to be faced with some harder questions. And so I would encourage you, and Katie's got some stuff to say about this, but go to the Word. Go to the Holy Spirit. He, he will guide you through that stuff. Don't be afraid of it. That, don't be afraid to teach your kids the hard things and talk to them about that. So um, you had some things you wanted to share about that. So even as adults with unanswered prayer, we bring that to a friend. You know, I'm dealing with this. I haven't seen the Lord move yet. The last thing you want is someone to preach at you. God is good all the time. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, I believed that a month ago. I'm, I'm not saying I'm questioning who God is. I'm saying I, I've, I'm, quite, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff. So it's hard for little ones to say those things. But they like those hard prayers, you know, that pop would not be dead anymore. It's, you just got to let them come. And it's, it's hard, but it is so tender just don't quench it. They're not looking for your theology. They don't need your correction. It's something they're still dealing with. But I want him to know, you just take that to the Holy Spirit. He hears you, and you will hear him. You, you just take those hard things to the Holy Spirit. My little Lincoln, a few months ago, about two months ago, broke his arm. Bad. It was bad. Broke both bones in his arm. So they're like, you're going to have to get a cast, you know. And, and so he's praying. Before my cast appointment, they put, you know, like a stint on for the first week. From Before my cast appointment, my arm's going to be healed. In Jesus' name, it's going to be a miracle. So he has more faith than I do because I was like, yeah, in Jesus' name. So when that didn't happen and he did need a cast, guess who's heartbroken? Mostly me, because I don't know how to handle this. And he's crying. You know, he's trying to keep it together and be cool. But all I could say is the truth. Sometimes you just need to say the truth. That's what they need to hear. God answers every prayer when we pray according to his will. Buddy, maybe maybe your arm needs more time. Maybe we're going to do something in a couple of weeks that your arm wouldn't be ready for. Maybe it's not safe. The Lord has a reason for this. God has a purpose for it. We can't see it right now, but that's why we got to use our faith. God loves us. He will not hold back good things from us. Our kids are looking for us to use our faith in those moments. Can I still say I trust God when my heart is aching because Lincoln didn't get his miracle? My job is to direct Lincoln to the Holy Spirit with unanswered questions because he has all the wisdom and he is the helper. My job is to teach him that God will talk to him, comfort him, and he is available to Lincoln. When Lincoln sees that my understanding is limited, it's going to happen often, I want him to run to the Lord. I want him to go to the one with the answers. Sometimes with unanswered prayer, I don't have it all figured out, but waiting is part of the journey. Waiting is where the faith builds. Waiting is where spiritual maturity comes. The word says that the heart of God is to give us every good gift, all we need for a life of godliness and every spiritual blessing. What we sometimes miss in our prayer life is that in the waiting, God is building something inside of us when we are asking him to build something outside of us. When it's hard to believe and we choose to believe anyway, we mature in our faith. This is how we know we're in relationship. Things don't go how we want, how we plan, but we don't run away. We lean in. 
Psalm 37, 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good anyway when your prayers are unanswered. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Psalms 37, 23, and 24 says, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord who takes delight in his journey. Though he falls, he will not be overwhelmed for the Lord is holding his hand. Okay, we are wrapping this class up. But before you leave, we want you to remember and walk away with a few things. Your children learn from you, but you do not have to be the expert. You should let the Holy Spirit guide you. However, not being an expert right now does not mean you should stay there. Start pursuing prayer for yourself. There is so much out there. Practice the habit. Study it. Uh, get good resources. Read books. I have, I have a stack of them here for you to look at if you want to. Um, Read things online, practice with your friends, start coming to midweek prayer. There's lots of opportunity for you to, to become more well acquainted with prayer. This is a great first step. There's more for you to do that. Um, just pick a few things and start committing to being a student of prayer so that you can be a teacher of prayer in your home. Uh, my prayer for you is that you would be intentional in teaching the, the, of the practicing of the way of Jesus and that Jesus taught us how to pray so we can do that. Um, if you have to leave and go get your kids, please do. But we also have anointing oil. If you want to come back, we'd love to pray over you and anoint you to be the leader of prayer in your home, to lead the school of prayer in your home, to have your home become an altar, your heart be an altar for the Lord. So if one of you has to go and you want to come back, we'll be in here. We're here to you. Um, and I'm just going to pray us out really quick, and then you are free to go. Heavenly Father, thank you for these parents in this room who are willing to commit themselves to this night, learning all about prayer. I pray that they don't feel overwhelmed or, or, or flooded with information, that they feel inspired and ignited and ready to go. I pray that tomorrow morning, when, when all of this is yesterday, and they are in the car with their kids, and they know I should be doing that praying thing they talked about, I pray that you would strengthen their resolve, that you would uh, help them commit with boldness to practice what they've heard tonight, that they won't let the busyness get in the way. They won't let the tiredness get in the way. They won't let the chaos get in the way, that they would commit to doing the things they learned here tonight going forward. I pray that they would see return on investment. They would begin to see fruit. They would continue to spur them on and encourage them to pursue being the leader of prayer in their home the leader of the school of prayer in their home. I pray for revival in the hearts of those who are here tonight. I thank you for them. I pray a blessing over them, and it is in your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen.